Man, oh man, they ain't freshmen no more. They ain't no more rookies. They ain't getting picked on. Ain't wearing no weird old costumes by the veterans on the team. We're talking about the sophomore running backs, the second year running backs for fantasy football 2020. And we're going to get into it right now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the video. That's right. We're going to be talking through really the five noteworthy sophomore second year running backs in fantasy football for the 2020 season. They're no longer rookies. They're no longer getting picked on. Some of them really put their thing down last year and really put up some numbers. So you can see on the screen right now, we're going to be starting with Josh J. I wanted to make this video, especially right after the NFL draft, because it's going to be changing based on some of the things that happened in the NFL draft for some of these second year running backs, especially one of them, which we'll get into. So stick around and be sure to watch for that. This is really a prove it year for second year running backs. If you had a good season in your first year, was it because of offensive line play? Were you creating yards yourself? Those are some of the things that I want to look at and inform all of you about so you can make the right judgments when trying to choose between these breakout rookies and really which ones are going to be busts that just happened to be in good situations last year, that situations might not be that case this year. So depending on when you're watching this, please do do a couple things for me totally free. Hit that like button and the subscribe button. It helps this channel out a ton. If you enjoy this content, if you've seen a previous video of mine, take the few seconds to do that and hit that notification bell. The notification bell, to be completely honest with you, helps the YouTube algorithm. More people that flood into the video right when it's posted helps it rank a little bit better. So I appreciate it if you can do all that stuff before we get into this breakdown of the second year running backs. Now I want to start engaging more in the comment section. So the question of the day today is going to be which second year running back would you rather have? Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles or Devin Singletary from the Buffalo Bills? Drop that question, drop the answer to that question down below in the comment section. I'm going to choose one winner to feature in the next video and give a giveaway to, so be sure to do that down below in the comment section. Miles Sanders or Devin Singletary, I want to hear your opinion. They're both very closely ranked running backs in redraft PPR formats. All right, so Jossie Jacobs of the Oakland Raiders, the John Gruden product, the only running back selected in the first round last year, picked 24 overall, only ran a 4.69 and was getting just uh, last year, I mean, quote unquote, shit on the entire season by uh, the NFL draft scouts and just saying he's too slow. He can't be a running back. And he goes out, puts his thing down and he becomes the number one graded rookie running back and the number three overall running back last year. Now, the funny thing is, if you did watch the NFL draft, the only running back selected in the first round of this year's NFL draft was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to the Kansas City Chiefs. And he ran a 4 6 40, which was known to be very slow. So actually, Josh Jacobs was quite slower at 4.69, and his combound workout metrics were not that good. So it just goes to show you that these athletic score ratings don't matter as much for guys who are just shifty and can break tackles in between the tackles. And that's exactly what Josh Jacobs did. He was the number one elusive running back in the entire league last year on over any running backs over 100 carries. He had 69 broken tackles. The guy was seventh in yards after contact and top 10 in both runs of over 15 yards and juke rates. He was an absolute motor last year, one of the best running backs in the entire NFL as a rookie. Now, you might have not have known all of that, how productive that he actually was, because he did get hurt for three games, and he kind of phased out down the stretch when some other running backs started to come on, like a Miles Sanders, like a Devin Singletary. But he had over 240 carries, let all rookies tied with David Montgomery with 242 carries, 1,150 yards, and seven touchdowns. And now he wasn't that active in the receiving game, but he did tally up 20 receptions on 28 targets, and that's the hope that he can take that step forward in the receiving game this year. He had around an average offense line last year and he really created a ton of yards all by himself in yards created per touch. The Oakland Raiders in the draft did bolster the offensive line a little bit with a fourth round offensive tackle on the interior part of that line was added and his backfield competition is not much. I mean when the guy goes out last year and has 242 carries in 13 games breaking that down to 18.6 carries per game before he had those lower body nagging injuries to end the season out he's going to be the workhorse there. Now there is some competition in his backfield and it mainly comes in a a, a rememberable name and a name that we've seen for a while now now in Jalen Richard. 
Jalen Richard did sign a two-year deal over this offseason, and he did catch 36 balls on 42 targets last year through 16 games. He actually played 29.4% of the snaps. So that's a little bit of a concern, right? There's a pass-catching threat in your backfield. You're not really a pass catcher. John Gruden during the season last year and now during the offseason has been speaking about, we need to get this guy the ball more in the passing game, but we didn't see it last year. Maybe with an offseason of work, we can see it, but then you sign Jalen Richard. So you're kind of telling us one thing, but doing another. You're kind of cheating on us behind our backs. We don't know. You're kind of a sketchy guy, John Gruden. Huh. But they also did get rid of DeAndre Washington. He went to the Chiefs, who now with the Chiefs are going to be signing and really drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That doesn't bode well for DeAndre Washington, but Washington did see 36 receptions on 41 targets as well last year. So at least those receptions and that workload in the passing game is gone. And not to mention, he did see 20.6% of the red zone touches, DeAndre Washington. So that should help as well. Now, Josh Jacobs' red zone role was 44 total touches, 65% of the team's share. So it can only go up with no DeAndre Washington back there because Jalen Rashard is a between the 20s change of pace back. He's not a guy who's going to be on the field and bruiser down in that red zone. Josh Jacobs is one of my favorite dynasty picks in the entire draft. He's one of my favorite redraft picks. I like Josh Jacobs a ton. I'm very excited for Josh Jacobs. And if he can get anything going in the passing game, it's going to help. But what are the concerns for Josh Jacobs in 2019? Well, the biggest one is the pass catching ability. Only 28 targets in 13 games, about 2.2 per game last year, did not bode that well for him. The upside is that DeAndre Washington is not there in another offseason of work, and hopefully he can get some camp in to really work on his pass catching skill set with the pandemic going on. But that's maybe the hope that he can get some work in the offseason and the coaches at least want to get him the ball. We shall see. Another potential downside, though, is that the Oakland Raiders drafted in the third round before they drafted Brian Edwards, who's a wide receiver, Lynn Bowden, who's actually a wide receiver, but also was a, a Wildcat quarterback, and they might actually use him as this gadget guy in Oakland. If you're going to have Lynn Bowden coming out of the backfield as a gadget guy, that only helps the target share for Josh Jacobs out of the backfield. And Lynn Bowden was picked in the third round out of Kentucky. So there is some decent draft capital there to actually get him on the field. Depending on how they use him, it could impact Josh Jacobs negatively. Durability is a minor concern. He had the shoulder fracture last year. That's something that does heal. It's not like a concussion, which can be nagging you and become a long-term issue. It's not like a ligament problem for a speedy wide receiver, like a hamstring or a groin that can easily be re-triggered. A shoulder should be able to heal, especially with the amount of time he's had and missing those three games down the stretch. The red zone role is firmly there. He saw 65% of the snaps last year, and you're likely only going to see an increase in that work as he gets healthier, and his overall touches increase from 44 to the 50-plus this year. Only three running backs saw 50-plus red zone carries last year, and if Josh Jacobs would have played all 16 games, he likely would have been the fourth. Numero dos, Devin Singletary here out of the Buffalo Bills camp. Last year, Devin Singletary, his production down the stretch really started to spike once the old man, the cloud of dust himself, one of the legends, quote unquote legends, in Frank Gore left the building in Buffalo. And here's the thing about Frank Gore, really, really quick side uh, chat we can have. Why did Frank Gore, an old man, an old aging man, go from the Colts in a dome where his old body can actually handle it? He could be anointed a saint for carrying the ball two yards in the red zone for a touchdown. And then he went to Buffalo, probably the coldest place that you can go to that doesn't have a dome and you're playing outside and your cold, achy body starts to break down. And we saw that down the stretch last year. It favored Devin Singletary, but I think it really did hurt Frank Gore because I don't know if we're going to see that man ever again and likely shouldn't because he's very old and he had a great career. So if you're watching this Frank Gore or Frank Gore's children are watching this, Great career, Frank. Going to Buffalo, probably not the best idea for that old aging body. But because of that, Devin Singletary did average over 20 touches per game down the last five games of the season. This might be a reason why you kind of forget a little bit about Josh Jacobs because he was injured during that time while Devin Singletary started to pick up some steam. Devin Singletary only did see, though, 151 total carries, 12.6 per game if you exemplify that over the entire season. 
He went 151 carries for 774 yards and four touchdowns. He did add 42 targets, which is nice to see, about 2.4 per game, and he hauled in 29 of those. He was number five in true yards per carry at 4.9 per carry. It filters out some other garbage and just opportunities where you're not going to be able to pick up any yards because you're just slammed in the backfield. Here's a really interesting stat about Devin Singletary last year, and it can go one of two ways. It could either be he's really good or it can be, yeah, he's definitely due to regress. He was the number 10 running back in runs of 10 or more yards on 60 less carries than the next guy in front of him, Saquon Barkley, who was number nine. He had 100 less carries than everybody in the top seven in that department. So his breakaway percentage, his explosiveness was very, very good last year. But is that sustainable? Can a rookie come into the league and just into from year one to year two, especially when you're not a highly touted prospect running a 4.66 and being a smaller back, only 5'7", 203 pounds, can you just consistently be one of the best running backs in the league? Or is it one, a smaller sample, and two, just regression? is due for you. I do think he's a talented player, but I also think those guys ahead of him and Saquon Barkley and the other top 10 players in that department are also talented. So when I look at Devin Singletary, I'm not going to say he's this much better than them on a per touch basis as he was last year. In my opinion, I do think that regression is coming for Devin Singletary in Buffalo. He did break 36 tackles on those 151 carries though, which was just absolutely incredible. It made him a top five running back in the elusive department last year when you consider Juke rate, and he was top 10 in yards per touch created himself. And that makes sense. Some of the stuff that we were all already talking about those huge runs that he was getting. He was creating a lot of those on his own. Now there is also the argument that Josh Allen was in his backfield last year. Josh Allen ran the ball 30% of the time in the red zone, ran the ball often, especially in quarterback designs. So that does help these running backs when there's the element of a deceptive quarterback that is mobile in the backfield that defenses and linebackers have to worry about. So Devin Singletary's red zone work in 2019 was 18 touches in the red zone, but 20 total touches when you factor in receptions, 18 on the ground. That was just 26% of the team's share. The big issue was Frank Gore was there and he saw 37% of the team's red zone share. And the bigger issue is that Josh Allen, that mobile quarterback we talked about, saw 30.1% of the red zone work. So Frank Gore is gone. Those 36.8% of the carries are gone. That's a good thing, right? Ah, it's not. It was a good thing before the NFL draft. And then the Buffalo Bills go out and spend a third round pick on Zach Moss. And now Zach Moss, two days after the draft, by the time you're watching this, is already being touted as the Frank Gore red zone back. They want Devin Singletary to keep a similar role, they said, to when Frank Gore was on the team and healthy earlier in the season. Alarms, alarms, alarms. Throw up your red flags because this is exactly what Zach Moss was doing in college. Zach Moss for four years went to Utah. He didn't come out after his third year, which is alarming for his skill set in general, but Zach Moss at Utah was compared to Monte Ball, a red zone grinder, somebody who can pick up yards, 235 carries last year, 1,400 yards over that, and 17 touchdowns was the big thing. He was active in the receiving game, and another bad thing to look at for Devin Singletary, Frank Gore was not much of a pass catcher anymore at his older age. Zach Moss caught 28 balls in his two healthy seasons in college. That's more than Devin Singletary caught last year. So it's a little bit of a concern for Devin Singletary's overall role in this offense. Now, the summaries of Zach Moss are how elusive he is, like Devin Singletary. He can pass protect, like Devin Singletary to an extent. The downsides are his speed and his size and his age. He's coming out a little bit older, which all those things are very similar to Devin Singletary when he came out. So it seems like the Bills drafted another Devin Singletary, except the guy who is a little bit better and a little bit more active around the red zone to fill that Frank Gore role. And that just scares the crap out of me. Throw up your red flags right now. You have to remember, Devin Singletary only started to see his 20 plus touches a game down the stretch when Frank Gore is phased out. If there was a Zach Moss on the field for six to eight touches in those games, you're only getting 12, 10, 12 carries a game out of Devin Singletary on the season and not a lot of red zone work and maybe losing pass catching work. That's not great at all. My concerns are that the pass catching work, 3.3 targets per game last year was good to see, but will that actually pick up this year with Zach Moss being back there? The fact that Zach Moss is back there in general is probably my number one concern now. I, the question of the day was Singletary or Miles Sanders. That was a very close question for me before the NFL draft. Seeing the fact that they drafted a third round running back, the Bills makes me a little bit more hesitant on actually
actually ranking Singletary ahead of Miles Sanders this year. My other concerns are that Josh Allen's mobility. Josh Allen had 30% of the red zone target touches last year. He was five of five inside the five yard line for five touchdowns. 100% success rate was Josh Allen inside the red zone and they were calling his own number. It wasn't by scramble. It was by design. So Singletary does have the upside, but there's a lot of question marks that we're going to have to hash out right now out of these second year backs between him, Josh Allen, and some of the guys we're going to talk about next. I kind of rank him below them and we'll do a final ranking at the end of the show. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Shout out Penn State, Miles Sanders, second year running back this year after starting with the Philadelphia Eagles last year. And similar to Singletary, a slow start to the season due to really not nagging injuries, but just competition in the backfield with Jordan Howard. Well, Jordan Howard is no longer there, ladies and gentlemen, as he takes his talents to Miami to actually work now with Matt Breida and Tua in that new Miami offense. But Miles Sanders is left with a nice backfield and potentially the workhorse role in this backfield. Now, his production last year was 179 carries for 818 rushing yards, a 4.2 true yards per carry, and six total touchdowns. His workload in terms of volume and his carries and his rush attempts both hovered around the top 22 for all running backs, a pretty good number for a rookie last year who also was splitting the workload for about half of the season until Jordan Howard got hurt mid-year. And if he's your second or third pick in redraft format, you feel really good about it. 50 receptions on 63 targets for over 500 yards and three touchdowns last year. He was averaging right around four targets per game, and that was only playing 53% of the snaps. What happens when Miles Sanders increases his snap share to 65%, even just 60%, and now he's in a second year in this offense? Now, I know they didn't have a ton of wide receiver help last year, and man, oh man, all Philly did in the draft was trade for Marquise Goodwin, draft Jalen Rieger, draft three other wide receivers in the draft itself. So they have a lot of options now to go along with Jeffrey returning and their two tight end sets, but I don't think they're just going to factor out Miles Sanders because of that. Sure, maybe the numbers were inflated because they didn't have a ton of other targets to choose from, but 50 receptions is well in the cards, and I think that's closer to a floor number for Miles Sanders. I do think that you're going to continue to see somewhere between four or five targets a game for Miles Sanders, and his elusiveness in open space last year proves to be that he just deserves the ball more and more. He was top five in yards per touch, top five, 5.8, ahead of guys like Saquon Barkley, ahead of other guys that were drafted way higher than his second round capital to the Eagles last year. His red zone role, he saw exactly one third, 33.3% of the team's red zone carries, 36 total touches. Now Jordan Howard saw 29.3% of the team's red zone share, and now he's gone. He's not in the offense anymore. And his only competition now is Miles Sanders, RB1, Boston Scott, who had some success, especially in the pass catching game last year, RB2. And then there's just a string of guys competing for RB3. One of the names you might know, Elijah Holyfield, a former Carolina Panther. The thing that also helps Miles Sanders and this run defense is that the Eagles, one, they improved all their wide receivers, and hopefully that helps him score points on offense, but two, they improved their defense, especially their biggest need, their secondary at cornerback. They added Robbie Coleman, who's a slot cornerback that will help them a ton from the Rams, one of the most underrated cornerbacks last year. They add Darius Slay, which is going to help them a ton on the outside. They have not had a lockdown corner in many years. And then they add Javon Hargrave for their defensive tackle to bolster up their defensive line, which was already great last year. So if you can lead to less points on defense, force some turnovers, your offense now has more weapons in the wide receiver department, you get ahead of the competition i.e. increases the amount of snaps and increases the amount of carries for one Miles Sanders. So the game script and the usage rates should bump up this year based on the offseason moves and just the overall coaching department of this Philadelphia Eagles team. The Eagles already had the number one run blocking unit last year, but they indeed drafted a fourth and sixth round offensive tackles in this past draft. So they're just trying to bolster the depth there so you could feel really good about it per PFF number one ranked offensive line last season. Now your concerns with Miles Sanders, if there are any, was that he struggled to break tackles. He just had 27 avoided tackles 
tackles on 179 carries. Not that great. His split backfield potential with Boston Scott, although I don't think it's really there based on draft capital, second round pick for Sanders and his production last year. I don't think we're seeing a 50-50 split with Scott, maybe 65-35. But even if that is the split, more touches, more potential targets to go to Boston Scott. That's always going to be a downside. But really in this day's NFL, you're going to see running back by committees of that stretch in pretty much every backfield seeing 70 30 splits and then finally his pass blocking is not that great that's really what took him off the field for jordan howard the veteran last year at times so if there was a guy who came in and was just really good at pass protection it could knock sanders off the field for another 10 or 15 percent of the snaps although i don't really envision that happening. i like miles sanders right now as it stands while i record this more than one devin singletary that we talked about but i do like josh jacobs still ahead of him but josh jacobs and miles sanders are going to be targets for me at least as of right now heading into the fantasy football season they both look primed for huge seasons as what looks like being the work courses in their both improved offenses with good offensive lines. As I sort of rank these running backs, it seems to be tier one of Josh Jacobs and then Miles Sanders. Tier two by himself is Devin Singletary for the second year running backs fantasy football 2020. And then tier three likely by himself is David Montgomery, who was seen by many to be potentially the best running back in this draft last year, especially based on his landing spot in Chicago. And now it's really hard to get a gauge on David Montgomery, who just to be blunt was very inefficient and ineffective last year. He was tied with Josh Jacobs for rookies with 242 carries, but he did not go over the thousand yard mark like Jacobs and push for rookie of the year. He only actually saw 3.5 yards per carry, true yards per carry, six touchdowns and under 900 rushing yards. Not great. He was able to actually break tackles though. He broke 47 tackles, but his yards after contact were abysmal, just 2.3 yards after contact. So the thing coming out of college for David Montgomery was this guy can break tackles and that's fantastic. But if you're not doing anything after breaking the tackles, why break the tackles in the first place? He was a number 10 grade rookie running back. That's, that's just abysmal. And he was number 74 out of all the running backs listed here. He was the 30th and overall elusive rating, which does factor in your yards after contact. So again, not being that efficient or effective. And then when you factor in the passing game work, it's just always going to be a nut low for him. Sneaky, sneaky Tariq Cohen, sneaky, sneaky, shifty Tariq Cohen coming out of the backfield, uh, limited David Montgomery to just 25 receptions on 33 targets last year while he was playing 58% of the snaps. That's not great. You want to know why that's not great? Because Tariq Cohen caught 79 balls on over 100 targets, 6.4 targets per game on only 49.8% of the snaps. And Cohen continues to get better as a pass catcher one of the most underrated and underappreciated assets in this entire league maybe because he's in this bears offense and organization that has just been terrible for the last three to five years is Tariq cohen and he's not being appreciated enough but he is taking just all the upside away from david montgomery in my opinion for fantasy formats then you factor in the qb play of this team and and how they're signing uh, quarterbacks veteran quarterbacks and how they have mitch trubisky there and there's going to be a competition and if you have two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks that's exactly what's happening in chicago right now so to rely on david montgomery who won is not going to have a pass catching role and two is going to be in an unstable offense that just loves adding tight ends in the draft and signing old aging dusty tight ends like Jimmy Graham it doesn't bode that well for David Montgomery but Tariq Cohen is right there as a 1a 1b option for whoever decides to be the quarterback because of his pass catching skill set there's not much behind that with Ryan Nall who didn't really get any work outside of the preseason last year the one positive for David Montgomery though is the fact that they did give him a lot of work 242 carries and they gave him a ton of red zone work 64.7 percent of the red zone attempts and 88 percent of the red zone attempts inside the five yard line. That's good to see, but I don't want a running back who's touchdown dependent with no pass catching role. That's not fun. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt in this day and age is not that fun to own in fantasy formats. Bears offensive line was around middle of the pack to below average, and they didn't do much for it. They added two seventh round offensive tackles for depth. Maybe that helps. I believe they actually added a, a center as well in the seventh round. So we'll see if that actually helps if those guys are even used, but most likely they will be depth piece.
pieces. So my biggest concerns with David Montgomery, the offense as a whole, I don't trust this offense as all. Allen Robinson's an absolute stud. I do think that Anthony Miller is an emerging prospect in his third year now out of the slot for the Bears, but it's just a quarterback play. If you don't have good quarterback play, if you have a shaky offensive line, how am I supposed to get excited about that? I do like Tariq Cohen. I like some of their weapons, but David Montgomery, how he fits in this offense isn't that great in my opinion. If he goes down and scores 14 touchdowns this year, yeah, he's going to be needed in some fantasy formats. And if you draft him, he'll work out for you. But if he goes out again and scores six or seven touchdowns, he's likely not going to push around a thousand yards or more. And the biggest thing is in PPR formats, he's probably not going to catch more than 20 to 25 balls. And that's maybe wishful thinking. So with Tariq Cohen in the backfield, taking his passing game role with the fact that you're having just this offense in general, looking very, very sketchy and him being so touchdown dependent, it does scare me away from David Montgomery. He would be my fourth ranked running back out of these four that we've talked about so far. And he's in a tier by himself, meaning that he's well below the Devin Singletary range, the Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. All right, this is just going up on the screen so that we can pour one out for Daryl Henderson Jr. Let's pour one out all together right now. Take some time, get your whiskey, get your favorite beverage of choice. Maybe it's a yingling or a beer. Just pour one out for Daryl Henderson Jr. Because Daryl Henderson Jr. is likely going to be done in the Los Angeles Rams system. Now, maybe this will be a cold take exposed, but they went out and drafted Cam Akers in the second round. Henderson Jr. was picked in the third round last year and couldn't even beat out uh, John Kelly at times in the preseason. Couldn't even beat out Malcolm Brown last year for the backup role behind Todd Gurley. Henderson Jr. only played around 2% of the snaps last year. And now you have a situation where there's no Todd Gurley. There's no 75% of the snaps there. So that's really good for Henderson Jr., right? Well, that was the case until the NFL draft when the Rams decided to draft Cam Akers out of Florida State in the second round, giving him that better draft capital. And that tells you all you need to know about their confidence in Daryl Henderson Jr. There really isn't any. Now, the downside for whoever is going to be in this Rams offense is that their offensive line ranked 31st overall last year out of 32 offensive lines. That's terrible due to injuries, due to some transactional pieces and 26th in run blocking. That's really, really bad. So as the depth chart stands right now, it's probably number one up top, Cam Akers, number two, Malcolm Brown, and number three, still Daryl Henderson Jr., who only saw two and a half percent of the snaps last year. So you can take Daryl Henderson Jr., at least for right now, off your fantasy radars, in my opinion. Maybe he has a really good camp if there is one. Maybe he has a really good preseason and gets on the field more, but just based on the draft, it tells you all you need to know about the Rams and their thoughts on Daryl Henderson Jr. Cam Akers out of Florida State, somebody to keep an eye on. I'd urge you to check out my must-own rookie running backs video. I can link that one up at the end of this one, but check out Cam Akers out of Florida State. Really suffered from bad offense of line play, but he was so, so good. He forced 76 missed tackles. He was elusive. He was a power runner, went for over 1,100 yards, even with the fourth worst offensive line in all of college football last year. And he can catch the ball. He caught 30 passes on 38 targets. And the biggest one, especially when you have a quote unquote franchise system, Matt Ryan's head quarterback and Jared Goff, he can pass protect like a, a demon. And that's something that Daryl Henderson Jr. has struggled with. So Daryl Henderson Jr. is on a tier of his own, right? We talked about Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders in tier one in that order. Devin Singletary by himself in tier two. In tier three for the second year running backs, it'll be David Montgomery. Tier four, tier five, it'll be nobody. And then tier six, it'll be Daryl Henderson Jr. Henderson Jr., even if there was an injury to say Malcolm Brown, would still be the backup. Even if there was an injury to Cam Akers, would probably then get into a 50-50 timeshare. But a lot of things have to break his way. And I'm not wishing injury upon anybody. So it does not look like Daryl Henderson Jr. is going to be that much of a factor based on what the Rams did in the draft this season. So if you enjoyed that video, please do hit the subscribe button. Take a couple seconds right now. Everything down below, I'm gonna put a big button up on the screen. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell, the like button as well. All those things help me in the YouTube algorithm reach more people. If you appreciated this video and you thought it was good and valuable, you appreciate the effort put in, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Be sure to also check out Monkey Knife Fight. Again, $15 when you deposit $10, they will give you $15 for free. You play with player props over there, have a good time. You want to put in $50, they'll give you $50 for free. Use the promo code VETRI or the link in the description and you can check Monkey Knife Fight out. Thank you so much. Be sure to check out some of the other videos in the playlist for Fantasy Football 2020 that I have on the final end screen here. You all rock. I will see you in the next one. This was the must-own sophomore second-year running backs in Fantasy Football 2020. I'm Sal Vecchi, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. See you, gang.